Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. Uh, This morning we're going to be in chapter 1. And actually, some of you are going to be very happy. We're going to be looking at verses 15 through 23. We're going to take a a larger section, um, and we'll come back to it next week um, as well. This is what I want to drill into. What must we really know? Um, You ever think about that? Now, just work with me here a little bit this morning. Um, In our highly information age, media, you're bombarded with more information. Uh, We have... Uh, AI now, so you can get the, the information is colossal that's available right now. It's barraging you in uh, many, many different ways. Uh, if you're, most of us here are fairly educated, have been at least through probably some form of education outside of college. Um, many of you professionals, um, we live in a very intellectual community here. But I just want to ask you, in all of your education, all of your learning, has anybody ever brought this question to you? But what must you really know? In all of our learning, in all of our knowing, in all of our researching, in all of our reading, what must you really know? And that's what we're going to dive into this morning. This is what Paul prays for the church. Three critical things outside of anything else that we must absolutely know. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to journey through, just make some comments through these verses this morning. Next week, being the same verses, and we're going to talk about more of how. And so I give you a heads up because I hope you'll help me next week with some testimony. How? When we look at this prayer and we move through these three things this morning, be thinking this week, okay, how have I Come to know those things deeply. And uh, maybe we can encourage right, one another with that. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to read, and then we'll pray and we'll dive in. This is Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. Paul says this to the church. And remember, this is the church, this letter went to Ephesus, but it's a circular letter. So it went, it's also to a larger Uh, church in the whole area, and actually it's to the entire church, right? This is the only book he's written where when he mentions church in here, it's with a capital C. It's, he's not speaking directly to one church, he's speaking to the overall church, okay? He says this, for this reason, because I've heard, church, of your faith in the Lord Jesus, your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you. Remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, that you may know What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? That you may know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the work of his great might that he worked in Christ 
when you raised him from the dead, seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet, gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The word of God. So, Father, we come to you this morning. And, Lord, we know that we need more than just information. God, we need more than just reading your word. We need more than just thinking of your word. We ask that your spirit would move among us, stir our hearts. Lord, get to that deep place in our soul where our spirit needs to be awakened, Lord, stirred, convicted brought alive to you. May these words come alive here this morning. Holy Spirit, would you come in power this morning? Through your word, God. You know where every single one of our hearts is at, Lord. We're your church. Jesus, you're the head. And Father, I just pray in this time, Lord, that you are, gosh, moving in huge ways, Lord. You are putting a refining fire upon your church, especially in our country here. Lord, may we wake up again and realize we're saved into your church. We're your body. May we act that way and be faithful and learn to love the saints. And Father, I just asked this morning, God, would you come and would you redeem the lost? Would you redeem the lonely? Lord, I ask, would you this morning, by the power of your spirit, set the captives Free. And Father, I ask that by your spirit you would come and that you would strengthen and edify the saints. Build us up, Lord, towards the fullness of what you have for us, God. I come, Lord. We need you, God, to stir again your manifest presence. When your body gathers. Wake up every person in here. If they know you. They are part of your body. They have a place in your body. A role when we gather. Wake us up to that Lord. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. All right. Um. Folks, I just again want to encourage you. Um, we've been taught a wrong form of church in many ways. It's been modeled to us actually not what we see in the scripture. What's been modeled to us is people come and, and we have a stage, nothing wrong with the stage, nothing wrong with the building, but that there's, it's one-way communication. I just want to again encourage you, church right, is the gathering of believers And the ongoing messages, he who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And so we all should have ears open to what God wants to say in us and through us, whether it's to an individual or something to encourage the whole body. You have a role, you have a place. I hope you'll open your ears to what God is saying to you. Uh, The church should be a dynamic exchange, um, right, of what God is doing. And again, some of that will be public to the whole church. Some of that 
individually. That is what the Bible describes church. Um, we need to recover that, right? Especially in this, in this time. All right, well, let's dive in this morning. Um, there's, uh, boy, a lot to cover here. But I want to, this morning, my main goal is um, to really just focus on three things. And here they are. And folks, what Paul is doing in this prayer, it's interesting. He says, right, that he's, he shifts, right? He's been giving all of these wonderful heavenly blessings that we have, that God has poured out on us in the first part of Ephesians. And remember verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. What a statement. And now he's fleshing this out. How does that happen? How do each of us right, come and grow into the fullness of what Christ has for us and lay hold of every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places? What does that look like? And he comes now and he says, now for this reason, what reason? Because I've heard, because he's heard of the faith, faithfulness of God's people and their love for one another, being a faithful church committed to one another, is um, that he goes into this prayer. And he says that he's continually praying this prayer and, and his desire. And, and again, I think I would just, uh, there's so many things that are right for us to evaluate is our prayer life. Um, prayer is one of the most mysterious things that we engage in. You know that? I just ask you, if you struggle with prayer, lean in right with us. Um, even come afterwards, as Derek's saying, is the two things that we uh, have to have after this gathering is we got to break up in smaller groups, and then we got to get into discipleship. We need someone to walk with us, show us what this glorious life is. How do we follow Jesus? It's life on life, right, is how that works. And, uh, and so if there's a question, if you've been struggling with how to pray, is the first place to start is go and pray the prayers of Scripture, And just how radically different is this prayer of Paul for us versus how we pray most of the time and what we pray for, right? We've been taught with kind of a list and things and nothing wrong with that. But the question is, are we going to elevate our prayer life and be in touch with the Spirit of God and and what, what Paul models for us here? And folks, what he hones in is these three things. I've just reworded them a little bit more for us this morning out of here. But he goes and he says... um, Simply, if we're going to learn to live in this heavenly places, have a heavenly places perspective, really understand who we are, what our role in this life is, what our role as part of the body of Christ is, understand what the role of the church is in the world. We'll deal with that more deeply next week, um, especially with everything going on in biblical prophecy and what we're to look for and have hope in and all these things. Um, he's, he, he's praying that if those, for those things to happen is we need, they can only happen by a move of the Holy Spirit. They can only happen by the Holy Spirit. You can't go read a book and just get it. You can't just go to class. You just can't go to Bible study. You just can't sit in church. It is a spiritual move of the Holy Spirit on your soul, the depth of your mind, your soul, that brings revelation and wisdom from God. And what happens is, as he says, is the eyes of our heart come alive or enlightened. Now, it's interesting, don't miss, that it doesn't say that my mind comes alive. It says, now you can see from your heart, from the very depths of your soul, is it's only the spirit that awakens at the core of our being, our spirit, 
awakens, right, to the Spirit of God, to have fellowship with Him and hear Him, right, um, in our life. And so then he prays, he moves these three things. He says, for these to happen in our life, it's a move of the Spirit of God. And so he goes before the Father, continually, Father, may you pour out, bring forth your Spirit, the Holy Spirit of wisdom in people's hearts and revelation, that they may have an ear to hear what you're saying to them and to the church, and that their hearts, right, they'd be able to see Right, what you're doing, right? And then he gives three things. And as I said, I just kind of simplified them for us. What he says in Scripture, he prays that having the eyes of our heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. The hope. Um, I think we can all agree hope is um, something that is desperately needed, right, today. But folks, here's the first thing we must know. The Father has saved me and given me eternal life in Jesus. Do you know that? And how do you know that? We're going to get into that a little bit next week. How? How do I get that? That's where he starts. To know that. Now, folks, here's the problem. Here's what's happening right now is in our... Everything happening in the world, everything happening in the church in America specifically is that for many who said they knew that, they're fading away from that. So they didn't really know that. They just believed it intellectually. They just went to church and went through the motions, checked the boxes. And when pressure and when we come into this weird, strange time, and we'll talk more about that, is there's a fading away. And that is happening, folks. I just need to wake you up and to come back to a reality of what is happening spiritually. We're going to get into this. this all this stuff with Israel, all the anti-Semitism, folks. Um, these are signs, folks. Jesus is nothing new under the sun, but the church, those who have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church, we've got to wake up and realize what's happening. At the same time, when you start to see what is happening inside the church right itself, And so Paul just begins with, boy, what do I need to know? And when tough times come, when confusion, world, you know, things start happening is I have to come back to this issue. Okay, what must I really know? What's the foundation of my hope? And so why is that important to know that? That the Father has saved you and has given you eternal life in Jesus. Why is that critical to know? Now, here's the problem. The problem is that many of us have grown up in the church. We believe that. We say we believe that. We say that God loves us. But you know what? We quickly run on, and we spend the majority of our time learning other things, reading other things. We spend more time in the Wall Street Journal than we do in God's Word. If you spend more time in the Wall Street Journal than you do in God's Word, I can promise you, you will not know that. Fear will take over. Questions will take over. You're going to struggle with really having that. And we could put anything else in that category. Nothing wrong with the Wall Street Journal. I read it. But if that's where I'm spending the time, right? And Paul's prayer is that they may have the spirit. They may come to the fullness of understanding. Everything, right, they are. And folks, this idea of hope right now, man, I tell you, to me, this is a wonderful theme that we should set upon because this is my hope. 
And so it's a great, what a great bridge. What a great conversation for people, right? No matter of what, I've had some great, this last week, you know, uh, with all the, the big thing with Israel and time and everything, I've had some amazing conversation with the people and I've just been able to ask them, I said, tell me, where's your hope? What's your hope? What's the foundation of your hope? Hope is meaningless without a foundation, without absolutely knowing something. And even for the, the Christian church, if, if I can't, have a joyful boldness right, of understanding no matter how bad or confusing or whatever it gets, I have to come back, set myself, right, that, man, whew, Father, the Father saved me, right? He's given me eternal life. It's the very definition of hope that I have of what is coming is that's where my hope is set, and so when I look at politics, when I look at the economy or whatever I'm looking at, is that, man, when I start to worry or get freaked out, is I have to sit back always. This should be a regular event throughout the day. Holy Spirit, come. I'm yours. Father, you've saved me, but I have, I hope I have an eternal kingdom. I'm part of it that cannot be shaken. We have to know that. Of all the things that someone needs to know, that is right there at the top. There's nothing more important. Without knowing that, without knowing who you are, who God is, and what he's done for you, what happens to hope? What happens to a soul? If I question that, guess what? The scripture says I'm open to all kinds of torment. I'm open to all kinds of, of, of things in my life. If I do not have the assurance of that, of God's great love, what he's done for me, I have to stand on that. And this is the first point of attack. So if you look at Ephesians, remember we, we bounce out all the way to the end of the spiritual warfare and the schemes of the enemy. The enemy more than anything, what he wants to do is to have you doubt who you are and what God has done. Because like that, he can rob you of hope and he can paralyze you. So folks, when the church, this is why Paul's praying this, is this only can happen as a movement of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And as we love and exchange with one another and encourage one another in the life of the body. So let me move on. And as I said, next week we can come back and wrestle with this again. Okay, how? I'm struggling with that. I just don't, if I'm really honest... And folks, this is a time where we have to get really, really honest. Again, um, before God, God doesn't move until I'm just wide open to him. God, I, I'm, I, here's, here's the reality of what's happening. Here's the reality of what I'm really thinking. I need you to move. I need you to come in, right? Then he moves on from there and he says, not only but may the spirit come and open your heart um, that you may know not just the hope of his calling, this is verse 18, but what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? So I've just reworded very simply, the Father is good. What must we know? I've got to know that God is good. You know the consequences of, of questioning the goodness of God? It will take you to a destructive path that opens you up to all kinds of unhealthy emotional things. The Father's good. He's a good Father, and He has good for me in His perfect plan for heaven and for earth. I've got to know that. If not, 
right? Again, is that I can't advance in any of these spiritual blessings. I can't advance into the fullness of what God has for me. I will get stuck, really, really stuck in my walk with God and in my inside. And some of us can go on for a long time and just kind of dealing with the outside and kind of covering that reality up. But man, again, Paul's saying this, you have to know. You have to know this. Of all that we know, you got to know God is good. And what's the consequence of doubting the goodness of God? Yeah. Yeah, there'll be no rest. There'll be no peace. Just look at the scripture. Right? The goodness of God. And I've said it before, um, but I think it's important, especially in our age where we embrace doubt. I'm going to say it again. Doubt is is dangerous. It's the opposite of faith. I'm not talking about questioning God. We all do. This is part of it. God, why is this happening? Why is that? That's not doubt. Doubt is, doubt. I'm doubting you, God. You never see doubt embrace. You never see doubt as good in the scripture because it leads, the enemy wants to take that and he wants to lead us to a place of, of, of doubting the goodness of God. And if he can get us to that place, man, he can shackle us. Right for a long time. This is where we have to encourage each other back to the foundation of what I must know. God is good. Because can you imagine a world where God is not good? Now this, now this is interesting, right? Because most people will say, man, I believe in God, but look at all the junk going on in the world. If God was good, why would he allow these things to happen? Right? You've heard it. That's probably the number one reason that, or I should say excuse that keeps people from pursuing God, right? And the simple answer is back to Genesis Simple answer is that God has given us a choice. And it should be seen that man in our own endeavors, how are we doing with racism? It's funny, the only thing they left out of the newspaper was the next part, by we're encouraging the community to engage each other at a deeper level because politics nor education will never, ever fix or even come close to fix the racism problem. Never. And they don't want to hear that. The world doesn't want to hear that, Right? doesn't matter how many laws you legislate. doesn't matter how much you talk about it. doesn't matter how much kind of education you put in. It is a soul issue deep inside the soul revealing the sin of man. It's been there from the beginning. It will always be there. And folks, again, should, why are people not waking up? Anti-Semitism right now is higher level than it was pre-World War II before the Holocaust. You just need to think about that. Our whole society needs to think about that. Well, how is that even possible? How can we have around, and now it's even more global. And what's happening is colossal if you're looking at some of the cities around our own country for Pete's sakes. And why is there such hatred towards the Jews? Right. Folks, this is a spiritual thing. It's not a political thing. It's not an educational thing. This should show you, should show the world like, man, I need to sit back and think about what's going on. Why, why so much hatred against these people? Why, why the Holocaust? Let's just step back into the Old Testament. What is going on here? Why such, such fervor over this little piece of land? Um, folks, God has a plan. And as I said the other night, is we exist because of Israel. We, we are flown, we are grafted into the promises of covenant blessings that God poured out in Israel. 
Paul commands the church to have mercy on the Jews, right? That they might turn again, and he's got a future plan, right, for them. And I'm going to just say this as clear as I can. You go against Israel, you go against God. And there's whole movements even in the church today. And I'm telling you right now, if you've been educated in higher education, you have been given a pro-Palestinian, this whole this CRT crap, I'm going to call it that, right? They, they, all this colonizing stuff. All it's doing is leading you into bondage of the enemy. You cannot go against Israel. And I'm not talking about politics here. I'm talking about God's plan for that nation and the people from here to the very end. Right? Again, how does it go for up to this point of anyone who went against You need to think about God's plan here. Again, we're not advocating. This doesn't mean that we support everything they do politically or otherwise. It's just a simple thing that, God, you have a plan. And the church is to show mercy. The church is to be allied with Israel in the hopes of that God is going to bring about the fullness of that remnant one day. Now, um, there's so much more to say on this, especially with what's happening right now. After the first year, we're going to launch a, a teaching, maybe once a month, just on biblical prophecy. We can come together, probably on Sunday nights during Outpost, and we're going to start a regularly diving in to prophecy that we are a church that obeys the command of Revelation that says it's the only book with a blessing. It's the only book that comes with a blessing, and God commands to keep it, know it. And the people who do not know it, the people who are not taking the time to press in God, show us, give us ears to hear what you're doing, what's happening in the world, are people who Jesus promises will be led astray. Will be led astray. And you don't want to be on the other end of that. And get confused. There's, and we'll talk more about that. So I just say that's coming because we've got to press in um, on that because the church has to. These are promises again, right? That God has has given us on that. And so this is back to this issue of God is good. He's got a plan, and and the whole Bible is the unfolding of this plan, and He's called you into it. That's the amazing thing, and He has good for you. In this plan, oh, and, and just not to be a downer, but, but folks, it's going to get worse. I, I can't sit here. I'm not here to tickle your ears. I'm here to tell you, Jesus couldn't be any clearer. Church, you better buckle down. He says, those who endure to the end, those who conquer, those who have faith. The others, he says, will fade away. Sobering words, right? It will get worse. And two, stand up in that and keep our joy, keep our hope. You've got to know these things. A person that doesn't know these things will be swept away, as we'll get to later in uh, uh, chapter 4 of this book. The waves will just sweep away into false doctrine, things that tickle our ears, and that move us right away from what God's plan. We must know, God, you are good in the midst of all this evil, in the midst of all this confusion, in the midst of the swirling of the nations. There's one nation that God chose for himself, and it's Israel. The Bible is consistent and clear with that. But Israel's been disobedient. They're disobedient right now. They're away from God. Look what happened in the Old Testament. And over and over again, you would think it should be for us this wake-up call to the whole world to look like here's God's people. And when they continue to disobey, what happens to them? He brings judgment on them over and over and over again. But folks, the church today, it's the church age. We'll talk about the importance of this Later, but we're to have our hopes set and understand our role in the times of the Gentiles we're in until God starts working again right through his people and be faithful in this time. 
We have to know our mission. We have to know, and we can't know our mission. We can't move into this beautiful language we'll get into. What does it mean that he wants us to move towards the fullness of God? That's his plan for you. We can't do that if we don't have solid feet planted on these things. God is good. Man, he's good. And he has good things for you. On into eternity. That does not mean there's not suffering and hard things in this world. Matter of fact, Jesus promised it. There will be tribulation. Not just the great that's coming down the line, but even in this life, there will be tough times. And there's a reason for that. It's how our faith is strengthened. That's how we're tested. All right. Same thing we read about here, right? It's going to happen at, at an increased rate, right, in our world. And here's just another thing to hold on to. When they persecute Israel, they will persecute anyone who aligns with Israel. America is seen as the great white Satan because we are aligned with Israel. They will persecute you if you claim to be a Christian. The Bible is very clear on through the end, especially in Revelation. It is those who claim the name Jesus and who support Israel and the Jews who are going to be persecuted. In our nation right here today, there's only two things. You see the anti-Semitism rising? And what else do you see? There's only one, there's only one group of people in America who are standing in the gap and standing for righteousness. There's only one. And even many of those churches are fading away today, right, into embracing right, the things of the culture. We have to know he's good. Because I can't, if I don't, then there's no way to have the fruit of the Spirit. There's no way to have the joy of the Lord, right? And a bold sense of witness, right, to share of our great hope of what God has done. says the um, father of glory is this language that he uses. I do not cease to give thanks. Remembering my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of glory. Now, what does that mean? Folks, this word for glory is, it's just, it's the word in the scripture that, that just encapsulates, you can't put words to it, but the fullness of who God is, his greatness, his holiness, his goodness, His glory is the word that Paul uses that just encompasses everything other than us, everything that's so incredible about God that's worthy of our worship of Him. Um, It's funny, the thing I wrote in this actually was this story a long time ago. I had a chance to preach at this black church in inner city um, Atlanta. And uh, I was fresh out of seminary. I was so out of my element. It was not even funny. But they were very gracious to me, and I'm in there. And uh, praying, and I, I mean, or preaching, and I mean, I just was, you know, had all my theology down and preaching, and, and no sooner did I get going, and I was used to, you know, kind of white church in Texas, no sooner did I get going, and the whole back row of this church were the elderly ladies, like the statesman ladies, right? Their hats and everything, and I mean, no sooner did I get going, and glory! And it was just like, they just popping off back there, Right? And I'd never really thought about this idea of glory before. And um, anyway, <laughs> they're like, we'll get you through. I mean, it was just this awesome exchange. I c- it couldn't have been any more awkward. And, and after the fact, um, I-, I had this amazing conversation with them. Um, that's kind of what I write about is that, um, at, you know, here in my seminary intellectualism, I thought, hey, you know, they, um, they're, they're, just, they're just emotional. They're just trying to well up 
some emotion. There's, you know, this is just, gosh, very surface type stuff. That was my judgment. That's what I was thinking, right? And uh, Lord dealt with me there because in talking to these ladies afterwards, it was very clear what they saw, I didn't see. What they saw was the glory of God and his bride and his church. And when the word of God is spoken, is heaven opens up. And all the promises of God are poured out is we're to lay hold of that glory. He is good. He is good. And for these ladies who've been through all kinds of stuff, they stood and, and that was an important time of worship for them to realize he's good. What must I really know? So does that make sense, gang? And so again, next week we'll get into, be thinking about it in your life. How do you, how, does he, how do you do that? How do you, if you're struggling with the goodness of God, especially if something traumatic's happened or something, God, why would you let this happen? Look at Job. Look at all through the scripture. It's this critical stuff to never budge from, Lord, you're good. I don't understand it, but I trust you. That's faith. To waffle off that, to waver away from that, right, it sends us into terrible territory. Quickly, our hope is eroded, right? The riches of his glorious inheritance. And I already, I didn't make the connection, but I already told you just that there's a lot of theological discussion about that, <clears throat> about that sentence, whether it's, because it, it describes his, the riches of his inheritance, the Lord's, Father's inheritance of the saints. There's actually two things going on here. The riches of his inheritance is the fullness of his plan, his inheritance of the full remnant of the church and Israel. And his glorious full plan that he's accomplishing and will, right, in the very end. This is God's inheritance, right? We are his portion, right? We are his precious redeemed. The Hebrew is segula. You are his precious possession. He has redeemed you. He is good. And because he's done that with the precious blood of Jesus, you've got to know that and keep coming back to it and keep standing upon it. And the final one is the Father's all-powerful, right? He says that we may know, gosh, look at this, the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us. Toward us. You've got to know that. And this is the part of the big how. The Father is, He's all-powerful. Thank God, it looks like in this crazy evil, the evil in the world and everything. Man, Lord, it, it, how, what's going to happen here? But you have to, we have to know God is good. He's all-powerful. Satan, the enemy, the darkest of all evil is under his thumb. And in his perfect timing, he will bring judgment. He will bring about right, what he's going to do. But we have to know that. He's all-powerful. And here's the amazing thing. He's secured for us a place, don't miss this, of authority in his kingdom. Now, we can never get to that fullness. We can never get to the reality. When we go to chapter 2, when we're saved, he's raised us up with him, seated us with him, Jesus, in the heavenly places. Do you know that? Do you know your place? Do you know what God has done when he saved you? He didn't just leave you to wallow in your life and your sin and your problems. He's raised you up. He has an inheritance. He's a fullness for you that comes only by his power, not your effort, not my effort, but he has a place of authority for you to be reigning in now as part of his church. And you know what? We'll never get there if I don't know those things and I don't stand upon these things. 
This is why Paul prayed for him. I pray that this foundation of what you must know would be set in your heart so that we as a church can move towards the fullness of what God has. Now, I'll get in more to this next week, but folks, this big language at the end here, when he talks about Jesus and the Father raising him up, setting him at the right, his right hand in the heavenly realm, setting his head over the church, right? If the fullness and the head over all things, and he, um, uh, the fullness of him who fills all in all. What is that language? And here it is, folks, until I stand on these things, until we, until followers of Jesus stand on these things, the church will never be what it needs to be. Now, when you read the context of the scripture, he, the kings of the earth are like, Proverbs say like channels of water in God's hands. He's moving them and kingdoms rise, kingdoms fall. We get so, and I want to just radically change your trajectory. You know who's the most powerful in the world? You know who is going to go on to eternity? You know what God is most concerned about in the world? It's his people. And whether they will carry out his mission of being the light under the nations. Governments clearly under the evil one's power. He makes that razor clear. Every nation will bow and be judged before God. Until we understand stand these things, the church is not going to rise up and truly be what it needs to be, the force for light in the world. And that can only happen if I start to understand my fullness, start to understand what Jesus has done for me. And he's raised me this place of authority in his church. Is folks, there's nothing more powerful in the world than a godly person on their knees who is living righteously and prays to move the kingdom of heaven. That's power. That's real power. But oh, how we get caught up in fame and fortune and political power and money. The scripture couldn't be any clearer. That's not power. That's being led by the flesh. That is fully taken into the kingdom of darkness. Now, don't get me wrong. We need people to operate in those places. But boy, it can be really tempting, can't it? To have a foundation of these things, especially if you have been given a platform of earthly power and money and, and, all, and influence. It's even more important, right, that I'm standing on those Things, I got to know these things. Because I can't get into the idea that my political change, my educating, the things I'm involved in doing in the world for the good of the world, which is very important, I can't get those things to go ahead of these things, ahead of a heavenly places perspective. And just finally, is that these three things are key. If I don't have those in my life, folks, you know what? I won't be able to live this heavenly places perspective that God has called us to. He's giving you new life. The very living, the very presence of God, the Holy Spirit is inside your heart if you know him, if you know these things. The resurrection power of Jesus is inside you. You carry that hope. You carry that power. You carry that life with you. And when you exchange others or wherever you go, you carry that. We're to shine that light. That hope, that joy, in the midst of regardless of my life circumstances, faith is, I trust you, God, I believe you, I stand upon the things I must know, regardless if I'm not seeing things. I'm not going to budge in faithfulness right towards you. So I, I just commend these to you. Derek, y'all can come on up. 
There's so much I can, more obviously we can say in these. We're going to next week kind of wrestle with these and talk about how. Right? How? And, and maybe we hear some testimonies. How did, how did you really shore up and keep before you your salvation, the joy of your salvation? How do you keep that alive, the joy of your salvation? And there's some just a couple key things to think about. One, this only can happen by a move of the Spirit of God. If there's resistance to the Holy Spirit, I can promise there'll be trouble in these three things. Scripture's clear on that. The other one is the church. I can't move into those if I don't have a thing where I'm a part of this body. These blessings, the how-to happens in the midst of being who God saved us into, right? Into His remnant, into His body, right? Into His church to love one another, right? And, and so just finally, folks, I'd say this. Parents, students, all of us is, man, let's just have a revolution in how we pray. Let's start praying this prayer. If these are the three things that I must know, every person must know, as Paul did, these are the three things we should be praying for ourselves and for others and for the church. Is that, man, would these things settle in my child, in my friend, in my... And, and just the last thing here, because I've already said that, but um, is this. Is if I'm struggling with anything, I'm going to just say this big statement. No matter what my struggle is, it comes back to one of those three. Doesn't matter what my struggle is. If I'm struggling, I have to reset my foundation on those three things I must know. And then I can move out right from there. So, Father, thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that you will just, Holy Spirit, awaken us. Give us a hunger, Lord, for your word, a hunger for that fullness you promised, a hunger for that heavenly place's perspective. Lord, I know that's just like confusing language to us. Lord, as we move through this book, may you, Holy Spirit, reveal to us with greater clarity what that is. Father, I pray this will be a place of faithfulness, faithfulness to what you've called us to, Lord. And Lord, a place of great love, love for the saints. Lord, stir that in our hearts. Renew that in this time. And Lord, I pray for each of us. Lord, good Father, pour out your spirit of wisdom and revelation. We may know you better, God. And Lord, we have to know you better to know more not just who you are but who we are what your church is and what you've called us this great and glorious plan Holy Spirit I pray that you'd move and bring conviction Boy, Lord come and speak to us in our inner being and bring your peace your joy Enlighten us, God, by the power of your spirit. And finally, Lord, God, as your word says, to the love for the saints, that's all the saints. And Lord, I just pray for your church, our nation to rise up in this time. Lord, purify us. You're doing that. You are purifying your body. And Lord, I pray, as your word says, may we hold on to those who are fading. May we hold on tight. May we draw back in, Lord, those who are just gradually fading away from you and a zeal for you and these three things we must know. Yeah, Father.
Strengthen your people. Just take some time here before we come to the table and um, just have some fellowship. The one who loves you. He's a good, good father. Man, he has good things for you. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.